0: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jeff Grammer with the Albuquerque Journal, and you are listening to episode 23 of the Talking Grammar podcast. Uh, this one's being recorded now from my hotel room in Brooklyn on the morning of November Wednesday, November 27th, after the UNM Lobos, who I cover primarily for the Albuquerque Journal, got a split at the Legends Classic, a horrible, embarrassing loss to Auburn, and a bounce back less than 24 hours later solid win against the Big Ten's Wisconsin Badgers on the four-game road trip that they were just on. That would be a 2-2 split, a rivalry, regional rivalry road loss at UTEP last Tuesday on November 18th, and a regional rivalry road win at New Mexico State last Thursday in Las Cruces. So the Lobos obviously aren't happy with either the UTEP loss or the Auburn loss, um, but the way they bounce back in both occasions, one, 48 hours later to uh, to beat the New Mexico State Aggies in a rivalry game that they had lost the last five times pl- they played the Aggies. And then last night, obviously, about 20 hours after the embarrassing Auburn loss on national television to bounce back and beat Wisconsin, both times showed some resiliency, um, showed good things. It was the first time they'd beat a Power Five team since 2002, although in basketball, as I mentioned in in my emptying the notebook column overnight um it doesn't really there's no power five in basketball and basketball it's either a power six or just call it a power conference kind of structure and the big east is included so that would have been december of 2013 the last time they beat a power conference school which was marquette out of the Big East. so anyway regardless it was a huge win it's been a long time coming for this lobo program that some people i think forget that they are in a five-year drought not just the last year two or three they're in a five-year postseason drought where they have not played in the NIT, the NCAA, no CBI, no CIT, no none of those tournaments either. There's not been a five-year postseason drought in the Lobo Basketball Program since Bob King took over in 1962. This is the longest drought the program's been on. So the road to road to getting back to where fans feel that it should be, regardless of how much less money the program has in it now than it did not too long ago compared to other Mountain West schools or, or these power conference schools, fans still expect a lot. And that's why I think there was a lot of reaction after Monday's loss to Auburn from people who really don't like Paul Weir, people who don't think he's the right coach, people don't like what they're seeing on the court out of the team, all those kind of things. Monday gave them all the fodder they need to, to fill up social media, to fill up Sports Speak Up's uh, email in the Albuquerque Journal, and to fill up Twitter feeds and emails everywhere. So they had their night and then the next night it was it was much quieter on that front and a lot of people were just relieved that this Lobo team that I'm still told frequently has a ton of talent um, a lot of people were really happy to see that loss a lot of fans anyway were really happy to see that loss answer so quickly with a with what was a really solid win It's also worth noting the team was on the road over a nine-day period. They were actually on the road basically seven-plus of those days, about seven and a half of those days they were on the road. They haven't had such a road trip where they played actually four games away from Albuquerque since the 2013-14 season, and and that road trip – was only, It was not scheduled. It was actually because they finished the regular season on the road against San Diego State, lost. That was the 1-3-1 game against the Aztecs that lost the regular season title for Craig Neal's first year um, as head coach. And then they played three neutral court games in Las Vegas to win the Mountain West Tournament the following week. And then the week after that, they went to St. Louis to play in the NCAA tournament, where they lost to Stanford, that was a 13-day period where they played four games away from Albuquerque. Um, this was a, a nine-day period where they played four games away from Albuquerque, and um, so it was it was tough on them. I'm gonna get to all that a little bit later. Um, today's episode, I, I think, is is gonna be a fun one. Uh, not not in depth, not super long or anything like that, but I did run into Andy Katz at the Barclays Center. And he was covering Tuesday's action. Andy Katz is a former Albuquerque Journal reporter. He covered the Lobos in the early 90s during the Dave Bliss era. And he he went from there on to the Fresno Bee. Of course, most people know him from his time at ESPN. And he's now working for working at NCAA.com. He's working with Turner Sports. He's working with the Big Ten Network, Fox Sports, and FS1. So he's doing an awful lot of work right now. His uh, March Madness 365 podcast is is a good listen for anybody who follows college basketball, of course. Regardless, I, I caught up with Andy, who had a a brief stint in Albuquerque, but that brief stint brought him to meet his wife, and uh, she was an intern at the Associated Press, which is in the Albuquerque Journal's building. Um, It was then, and uh, then it moved away to a different office. It is now back in the Journal Center and, and right next door to us at the Albuquerque Journal, but that's where Andy met his wife. So his wife's from Albuquerque. He gets back to Albuquerque you know, every year or two or whatever. Talk with him real briefly about his career, about his, his time in Albuquerque, some of his Lobo memories, some of his thoughts on this Lobo team and, and what the, the program needs to do to sort of catch back up and, and maybe be a national brand that I know fans in Albuquerque certainly think it is. Uh, I got Andy's perspective a little bit on that and whether or not it is the actual national brand or... Or if it's fallen off the the radar a little bit. So I had some fun with that real quick conversation. It was just about I think 10 or 11 minutes that uh, that he and I were able to to play catch up there. So I'm going to play that at the back end of that. I'm going to then give a few more thoughts on this road trip that the that the Lobos had, where they did get the 2-2 split. They are 6 and 2. Their toughest part of the schedule is already behind them, and we'll see what they can do with it from here. Obviously, they showed some really good things. In their six wins, I think they actually showed some good things in, in the UTEP loss as well. That was the first game they really showed that they can defend. And then they didn't defend much against Auburn, a team that they they want to be like, And um, but they defended well against Wisconsin, New Mexico State, and UTEP. So three of the four games on this away from Albuquerque stint were good signs on the defensive end, even one of them being in a loss. So I think there's still some some optimism that Lobo fans should have for this team. I know some fans don't want to think that way. Um, there, there are some fans that are already checked out on Paul Weir, and, and believe me, I, I get bombarded with it, certainly during losses. Um, I don't hear as much from those people after a win like the Wisconsin game, but it is what it is. This is my conversation on that I had with Andy Katz on Tuesday night at the Barclays Center for Episode 23 of the Talking Grammar Podcast. Hope you enjoy it. All right, Andy, um, we are here in the Barclays, and you, you walk in and uh, you take a picture, and I saw you tweet a picture um, that said this is kind of two, uh, two past lives kind of crossing paths a little bit. Why don't you tell, uh, tell people what that's about?
1: Yeah, so I went to the University of Wisconsin. Um, I don't remember them ever playing New Mexico.
0: Two, two times. One was in the 50s and once in early 80s, I think.
1: Okay, so it predates me even when I was in New Mexico. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this my world colliding where I went to Wisconsin. Uh, and then, obviously, as you know, I predate you at the Albuquerque Journal since uh, um, you know, covering New Mexico in the 90s. So, no, it's just very cool. Um, and, uh, you know, great for New Mexico to get a split on this trip. Um, as you know, because you, you, you mentioned this, I thought that there was a good chance, uh, and I still believe this, that they've got the talent to challenge Utah State. Uh, and San Diego State, even though Nevada won the Paradise Jam, I'm not believing in Nevada right now, um, for the Mountain West Conference title or be a team that, if they don't win the regular season, could win the tournament because they've got all these pieces that are going to come together. So I think this was a must for them, but it was great to – it's just, you know, obviously I've been back and I've covered some New Mexico games over the last couple decades, but just kind of cool to see them, uh, you know, on the East Coast. And I'm going to tell you, the last time that I remember them on the East Coast – Maybe the only time that I covered them on the East Coast was uh, I'm, I, this is what pops in my head was they played in Richmond in the NIT against Virginia, um, and that's the last time I remember them that when I was there yeah. that they played on the East Coast.
0: They, they had a Charleston Classic a couple years ago, but
1: you know, not exactly the.
0: The typical yeah. East Coast, Washington,
1: and up. Yes. Um, and, you know, Jeff, I want to add this, that that it, I think they should do this more often. Like, I, I think, you know, back when I was covering them, you know, their recruiting base obviously was California and Texas.
0: We, let, let me jump in real quick. Remind people, what were your years at the Journal?
1: So right, I was there from 90 to 95. I'm dating myself here, but 90 to 95. Okay. So I covered Dave Bliss, and... Um, you know, that was the recruiting, that was their it, their sphere of influence, if you will, was California and Texas. Um, just there weren't that many players, obviously, in Arizona, Colorado, you know, they did in New Mexico, they had J.J. Griego from Truth or Consequence, no, I'm, I'm confusing here. Wait, he was from Socorro, um, that, uh, Roy Solley Sol- was from TRC. There we go, there we go. J.J. Griego from Socorro? I believe so, yeah. Okay, yeah. so those are the two in-state kids that I can remember. Um... few and far between, even then. Yes. Uh, And Greg Brown, obviously. Of course, yeah, of course. And I I don't, maybe I should, I don't really count Kenny Thomas, because he kind of transferred in. Senior year. Yeah, Yeah, he just transferred in at the end. But anyway, um, because the new world is transfers, which Paul obviously is, you know, mining in that world, Um, and you got to get your brand everywhere. And it's not, there's no longer like a regional deal here, so... Uh, I think if they can expose their program in more ways, especially on the East Coast, especially where you know you have potential to get transfers from the Big East, from the A10, from the Big Ten, you know, from various leagues on the you know in, in, the, in this in this part of the country, I think it's only going to benefit them long term.
0: Yeah, their roster right now shows that it's possible to get done, but it's a lot easier when you get this exposure out here.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think this is uh, a, a you know. I, I think this was smart schedule because I'm going to tell you, back when I covered them, um, they were so provincial, and they were basically like the Syracuse of the Southwest. Syracuse, Lobo Invitationals yeah. and stuff like that. Syracuse, to this day, barely ever leaves the state of New York. You know, they're coming down here for the NIT this week, and so they almost never leave. Yeah. And New Mexico was the same deal. They were the same deal. They had their own, they had two tournaments. Okay, there was the Lobo Classic, Lobo Invitational. Those kinds of things almost never exist anymore, where you can get teams to come, you know, at least not any good teams. I mean, maybe lower level.
0: I I can't even think of any right now that are
1: hosted by the school on sites. I mean, those just don't really happen. No, they just don't. Um, You know, maybe the lower level, uh, the one-bid league teams, and I've seen a couple of the one-bid league teams do that, just because they need games. So they're all going one site. site. But you, you need to think smarter. So, yeah, so back then the scheduling was... We need a minimum, it seemed like, a, if I'm not mistaken, it was like a minimum of 18 home games.
0: Yeah, and they got 18 this year for the first time in a long time, but that used to be the standard.
1: Right, yeah. and so that was the only way that they would do that. And, uh, I mean, that they needed to do that. Obviously, it was the breadwinner, much more than football. Um, you know, I mean, football was really bad then. <laughs> and, um, you know, I know they've had a couple of peaks. but uh, So, yeah, I, I think this is a, a, you know, something they really need to do more often. All right, so on the national level, um, UNM Lobos are they're a brand that I think
0: people used to know pretty consistently as that team from from out west in the tournament most years, maybe not all the years. At least through the 90s, they started getting there a little bit. But they—what what is the importance in terms of March Madness breaking through that first weekend? What does a program like New Mexico have to do to eventually kind of take that next step nationally? Right now, they're on a five-year Post tournament or postseason um, drought, so we're not talking really what's going on right now. But for a while there, if they didn't get past the first weekend, people thought it was a disappointment, and I, I think they might be right from a branding standpoint. Do you agree with that? That they have to make a run at some point to make a national brand of themselves.
1: Yes, but I think it's also what they do. For example, um, you know, Nevada did a good job of marketing. They had, you know, the the. By the way, Musselman did the transfer thing. They had. The whole whole Mountain West is transfer conference, and it has been for a little while. So Nevada did a good job for their little blip. Um, Obviously, you know, San Diego State had their little mini run. Um, uh, You know, when BYU was in the league, they did the same thing. Uh, You know, we'll see if Utah State can do it. Utah State got in, good preseason buzz, but now can they win a game? Can they win two games? That's the big question. You know, New Mexico fans may not want to hear this, but I think nationally, um, New Mexico State actually has a little bit more buzz because they've been in every year. Yeah, now, they're every... in a much, much weaker conference. I mean, the WAC is like, it's not even in the same stratosphere of what it once was. And so they can get in almost every year, and just having their name on that brand and the bracket and all that makes People all see the difference. You every year. Yeah. Yes. So New Mexico's got to get in, and uh, you know, clearly if they can have... like. The Auburn team that blitzed New Mexico should have lost to New Mexico State last year. So if you at least even have a game like that where you're right there on the doorstep of getting a win, you know, that can help you too. People remember those things. Yes, yes. All right.
0: Memory, was there a game, was there a player, was there just one basketball memory of your time at the Journal and covering the Lobos that uh, kind of stands out to this day, or, or a couple, whatever you got.
1: Well, I'm gonna, I remember the Greg Brown year when they won the, uh, the WAC at BYU uh people still i mean i know fans that follow you i mean they know how great the BYU games I mean it was like a hatred a passion yeah. and you know the late great Rick Majerus who just got inducted to the College Basketball Hall of Fame whenever he came in uh Sadies you know i remember one time i think the Utah lost to New Mexico when he walked back from the pit to um to his hotel which was uh he was staying like near Louisiana or something like that oh wow okay you know like just walked um so those games were always fantastic Um, Yeah, how crazy is this? There was one year the WAC tournament was at Wyoming. We spent a week in Laramie. Wow. I don't know if anyone's ever, outside of Laramie, spent a week there. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, that was crazy. But I'll tell you, one of the greatest games in three decades of doing this that I ever covered, actually I was on the other side when I came back to New Mexico covering Fresno State, was the triple overtime Fresno State-New Mexico game I can't remember if it was Tark's first or second year, Charles Smith, I think, might have been the first year, Charles Smith, I think, won that game for New Mexico, unbelievable game, triple overtime at the Pit. one of the best games I've seen. What is your memory now of Albuquerque? Not basketball so much, but of Albuquerque, I think people
0: would be, maybe some would be surprised to know your connection continues.
1: Yeah, so my wife is from Albuquerque, my in-laws still live there, Uh, so... We don't go every year, but I'd say every other year we're there around Christmas time. Is there Uh, any
0: go-tos around town that are maybe
1: new go-tos or from way back in the 90s when you covered them? Yeah, so um, years when I lived there, I was a huge Gardunios fan. Um, Now it's probably too much of a chain. (laughs) Uh, I would say a place we almost always go to is El Pinto. That seems to be a mainstay whenever we're there. That works. Last for me, um, and I'll let you go, is... This team, you probably saw them for the first
0: time today. Yes. Um, talk to Jaquan Lyle afterwards. He's got a story. He, he's got a unique story. And if he, if he keeps things right the rest of the season, he's, he's one of the better Lobos in the while and, and has
1: the potential to be that. But I'm curious your thoughts on this Lobo team and just what you saw. Well, anytime you get a lot of transfers, I mean, it's just, I think it takes time. And they've got to stay healthy. I mean, I know everyone does, but because they've had injury issues in the past. Uh, but, you know, I thought you brought up a great point. You know, I think this will be good for them to play two different teams. The way Auburn makes you run, Wisconsin doesn't. I mean, the Mountain West, they're going to see a lot of different, you know, uh, styles. And so I think this trip will help them. And you know this. The fans know this. People nationally don't appreciate how tough it is to do back-to-back at El Paso and at Las Cruces. And they got a split out of it, and they could have swept it. So I think overall, split on that trip and a split in Brooklyn, they got to feel pretty good about themselves.
0: I would think so, too. Andy, it's been fun. Um, I know you're you've been in this business a couple decade, a few decades now. However, however many they are now, two or three, I think, right? Um, you're enjoying this still. You're loving what you do. It sounds like.
1: Yeah, no, I can't complain. Um, it, uh, the connections are great, the relationships, the networking, and so no, I can't complain. Things are going well. I keep
0: telling my wife, worst day of
1: work, I I still get paid to
0: uh, to watch basketball most days and. Sometimes I can't complain, but sometimes I do. And she reminds me, what would you do again today? Oh, yeah, you watch basketball, so shut up. So I'm enjoying what I do. I enjoy watching what you do. You always seem to do it with a smile on your face. Thanks for the time, Andy. All right, thanks, Jeff. All right, well, there you go. There was my conversation with Andy Katz Tuesday night in the Barclays Center after the UNM Lobos beat the Wisconsin Badgers, a school, Wisconsin, that Andy actually graduated from, and then got his first beat writing job at the Albuquerque Journal. So certainly appreciate Andy for for giving me a few minutes to do that. I know he was hard at work um, also covering the, the second game on Tuesday night, which was the Auburn Tigers and the Richmond Spiders. And for those that don't know, the Auburn Tigers did win the Legends Classic. They beat Richmond and they as well they should it's a very good basketball team obviously a final four team a year ago almost had that hiccup in the first round of the ncaa tournament against the against the new mexico state aggies um again the auburn pretty much led throughout and uh was was up pretty big and then new mexico state made that late rally and and almost and and frankly probably in the final minutes should have ended up knocking off the auburn tigers and, and ending that final four run before it even happened and um that was a, a good closing several minutes there for the Aggies last year. That that would have been one of those March moments that people talked about forever. So, anyway, Auburn very good basketball team again, even though they lost some players to the pros, and uh, they'll they'll be you'll be hearing from them all season long, I believe. So, as for the Lobos, uh, they are a team that right now is six and two. They are a team that went two and two on this four game stretch that will be the the toughest four game stretch of their season. They played four games over a nine-day span away from Albuquerque. They have not played a four games away from Albuquerque stretch since the end of the 2013-14 NCAA tournament season, and that was when they did five consecutive games away from Albuquerque. They finished the regular season with the road game, which they lost at San Diego State. Then they won three consecutive neutral site games in Las Vegas in the Mountain West tournament, and then they lost in St. Louis to a Stanford team in the NCAA tournament. They have not had... That many games, they've not even had four games in a row away from Albuquerque since then. The last time they actually had at least four games in a row in the regular season that was away from from Albuquerque was in the 2011-12 season under Steve Alford. And that was when, on November 18th, they played a road game at Arizona State and then three consecutive games um it was in Anaheim it was then called the 76 Classic they lost the opener of a neutral court on a neutral court to Santa Clara and then won the next two so in that four game stint they they went 3 and 1 um in the 2013 14 five game stint the last time they were away from Albuquerque for at least four straight games they went 3 and 2 on this four-game stint, including two rivalries and then the two neutral court games in New York, they went two and two. So that's, in my mind, that's that's actually a pretty good for a new team. That's actually a pretty good little two and two run. I think if you would have said that before the season, a lot of people would have taken it ha- gladly. And uh, that, as Paul Weir said after the Wisconsin game. Tuesday night in the Barclays Center when you're in the midst of it. Of course, the team is trying to win each one. So it's hard to put that sort of perspective on it that you would have taken a 2-2 split and they wanted to win each game. Obviously, they certainly didn't want to be embarrassed at Auburn or against Auburn as they were, but but that's how it happened. So I do think that at 6-2, and two, this this is a Lobo team that I'm not changing my preseason thoughts on. They can still compete for a Mountain West title. Utah State's obviously off to a fantastic start. They're, they're looking like the class of the league, and that's why they were picked, by myself included, to win this league, to win the Mountain West. I do think San Diego State is a team that I predicted in the preseason to be number three, and as I wrote in my preseason prediction column, they and New Mexico were, in my mind, pretty equal. They were, you know, one—if Utah State was one, I think— 2a and 2b were new mexico and san diego state the media poll had san diego state second and new mexico third i actually picked new mexico second and san diego state third they're both teams that are relying heavily on new players new ball handlers new guards and from the transfer world and i think by the end of the season new mexico still has a chance to to compete for a title but i think san diego state does too they are 6-0 and right now utah state is 7-0 and and nationally ranked they're number 15 in the country as far as the aztecs go they're Best win so far. Um, they have certainly not been challenged like like the Lobos have been. Their best win was a road win at BYU, but it is worth noting that BYU was playing without their best player at the time, Ueli Childs. And since or so far this season, the BYU Cougars are a three and three team. They have lost in overtime at Boise State. Their other two losses were the San Diego State game at home, of course, and then a neutral court game against Kansas in the uh, Maui Invitational. So BYU, it's hard to get a good read yet on just how good they're going to be. They are without their best player by the end of the year. I think that's going to look good for San Diego State because I think BYU will still win a lot of games once their best player comes back. But at the moment, at the time, it wasn't quite the marquee win that, um, that maybe proves that San Diego State's really, at this point, much better or worse than the UNM Lobos. They may be. They they very well might be. I just don't think they've proven that yet. I don't think the Lobos have proven, you know, one way or the other that they're better or worse than San Diego State either. I think those two teams are going to be in it for the long haul, competing for a Mountain West championship. Let's take a step back, though, and and, and I want to kind of break down that road trip for, for the Lobos. And it started Tuesday, or rather Monday, November 18th, with the bus ride down to El Paso. They played at UTEP on Tuesday, November 19th. And in that game, they, they defended, really, for the first time all year. Game came down to the final minute. They had a one-point lead in the final 30 seconds. And that's when, you know, they gave up, give up a jump shot on one end, have one really bad offensive possession at the other end, have to foul, uh, give up two free throws, or are down three, hit a half-court buzzer beater. That was not good because it was still in Jaquan Lyle's hand for about, almost, you know, maybe even not even a half second after the buzzer the video showed. But the point is, they were within about a half second shot of sending that game to overtime and having a chance to win a road game against a very good UTEP team. The Two days later, you know, how did they respond? That was a question in a lot of people's mind is how they were going to respond. Well, they they bus over to Las Cruces the next day on Wednesday the 20th, play at New Mexico State, a, a rivalry game, hostile environment kind of rivalry game that they haven't won in five consecutive games the Aggies had the series lead or had won in the series for five consecutive games the first one was a, a Paul Weir win when he was still coached there and then the last four were Chris Jans wins over Paul Weir Lobos. so Thursday night they play at NMSU the Aggies are without one starter of consequence AJ Harris Clayton Henry's obviously a starter I shouldn't say with, with no consequence but he, he did average 15 minutes and five points a game last year he does other things obviously but it, it isn't exactly the, the impact in my mind that an A.J. Harris has. It's certainly not the impact that the Lobos playing a year ago without a Ninja Jaquan Lyle, who was their best player, clearly their best player and would have been last year, um, had in, in the series last year. So, yes, the, the Aggies are, are hurt and banged up a little bit, but, but no more than, you know, UTEP playing hurt. And, and Rodney Terry said that after his post game, um, when they played the Aggies, like, guys, come on, tell them the media. Like, guys, like we, we've been hurt, too. So um, the Aggies have done a good job. Of, uh, of certainly getting winning the narrative a little bit about how banked up and how injured they are. Um, the reality is, yes, they have two starters out injured to start the year. Uh, one of them, A.J. Harris, is a very important piece. The other one is, is is a key cog. But New Mexico State's a good team without those guys is what I'm trying to say. Trevor and Queen, look, they have a lot of pieces. They're going to win a lot of games even if those guys miss well into December. I think they're expected back mid-December. But it's a good enough team to be winning more um, a whole bunch of games. I think today as I record this, they're playing for a championship later today in the Cayman Islands Classic, a, a tournament that I remember talking about in West Media Day in the preseason about the that New Mexico State should win. They're the best team in the field, certainly rated the highest. I know Nebraska's in it. That's a name that people think, oh, maybe Nebraska's going to have a chance at this thing. They, they didn't. Nebraska did not have a chance. Um, they're not a very good team. So this field was, was winnable for New Mexico State. We'll see if they do later tonight. They're, they're playing George Mason in the title game, and uh, it'd be a great win for the Aggies. You, you win any tournament, it's a great win. So um, when the Lobos were able to beat the Aggies and then that streak, it, it was a shot again or a game that again came down to the final minute, and the final possession, and New Mexico State missed a three-pointer at the end. Jabari Rice, corner three, doesn't go in. I know there were a couple um, possessions after that that – that played into it, but really it was with six seconds left, the Jabari Rice missed three-pointer is what gave the New Mexico State Aggies a win. They get to bust back after that game to Albuquerque, get, you know, the, the next day. They got Friday, November 22nd, all day in Albuquerque. try to get some some academics done, I'm sure. And on Saturday morning, they were back on a plane, flew to Brooklyn. They were in Brooklyn from Saturday afternoon, I guess, is when they got into Brooklyn. Uh, spent all day Sunday, did a practice and some prep work on Auburn and Wisconsin both. Monday the November 25th, they they played Auburn and and got beat up pretty bad. It was was not a pretty game. I think Auburn is the team the the New Mexico Lobos want to be. They are the team that runs and guns and presses and puts so much pressure on teams that makes the other team just look bad, look embarrassed, turn the ball over a lot. That's what the Lobos want to be, and they clearly are not at this point maybe they get there at some point and maybe they can be the mountain west version of auburn but on the highest level auburn is what they are and new mexico is not what what they are um and that showed in a in a big way on monday night in what was an 84-59 auburn win over the lobos and that was when a lot of people were were just you know, this is two thousand nineteen and social media gives everybody not only a, a way to vent, but a an instant way to vent to the world and to be heard in the, the realm of social media, you better say something important, fast and passionate and all that kind of stuff. So people tend to overreact a little bit just to get the to get their point across. So I think a lot of people reacted, a lot of Lobo fans reacted in a way that um the next day, 20 hours later, when they played Wisconsin, they maybe some of them regretted, maybe some of them didn't. I don't know. But uh the point is, 20 hours later, the Lobos again respond just like they did the week before from the UTEP loss to the Aggie win. They responded 20 hours later by playing a, a good Wisconsin Badgers team, a Big Ten team. I guess how good, we'll find out. But Wisconsin's a team that's in the tournament every year for a reason. They They play a solid brand of basketball. And they slowed things down. I think that played right into the Lobos' hands. They were forced to slow down, be patient, pass the ball, something that Auburn never let them do. Auburn never gave them a chance to catch their breath. And because of it, they played poorly. Wisconsin forced them to play slow and catch their breath. Should they do that long-term? Probably not. I do think this team's probably still going to be at its best when it runs a little bit and, and has a higher tempo. But for this week, they needed what Wisconsin gave them. And... Uh, Ended up pretty much almost winning wire to wire, leading wire to wire. They won 59-50 over Wisconsin. The the Lobos are now six and two. And look, it is what it is. the The next game is Sunday against Montana. Then they start a week, two games of of Mountain West play. The the league is putting those two games early in the season this year. And um, because they're they're playing their conference tournament a week earlier, so they had to find another week to get two conference games in. Lobos are where they are right now, six and two. I think they're still a pretty good basketball team. I, I think that if they can finish non-conference play, they have thirteen non-conference games. If they can finish non-conference play at ten and three, they would be pretty happy with that. I, I don't, I can't see how anybody would be too upset with the ten and three non-conference schedule. I know there will be some people telling me why they should be better than that. This is a team that hasn't been in any postseason tournament in five years. I just can't get on board with saying they should be this and they should be that. And I know I, I keep getting told how talented they are. Well, even if you accept that is entirely true, although I haven't seen it on the defensive end outside of um, a whole lot of players. J.J. Caldwell, I will say, is is proven to be a great defensive player. But uh, th- this team isn't a complete talented team. They're they're a very offensive, talented team is what we've seen. Um, and they are very new as far as playing with one another. So they still have a lot to prove. They still have an awful long way to go. I think they can get to 10-3 and 3 in the non-conference. And if they do that, they're sitting pretty. Uh, they, have a, they have a pretty good chance to, again, compete for a Mountain West title for the first time in a long time. And we'll see how things go. Uh, I will touch base with you guys again sometime in the next week uh, the the first week of mountain west play hope you enjoyed this episode again this this podcast is about trying to bring you guys conversations and things from the beat that uh, maybe don't fit in print maybe don't fit in the traditional newspaper world of, of either a print edition or an online story so that's what this was a conversation with andy katz i want to thank him again he's been good good throughout my career talk to and, and lean on like a lot of national writers are when i need to so thank you andy uh, thank you guys for listening. Please keep following our Lobo basketball coverage on abqjournal.com slash sports. I uh, have, obviously, game stories, game previews in between games I'm writing every day. And then the emptying the notebook column after every game is, is one of our most popular, most read um, features on the website. So this is episode 23 of the Talking Grammar Podcast. If you have any suggestions, thoughts, whatever? Go to Apple iTunes. Please rate us. Please subscribe. Um, give us a rating. Give us a, a comment. And i uh, much appreciated. Reach out to me on social media, Twitter. It's at Jeff Grammar. And you can email me at ggrammar at abqjournal.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the Talking Grammar Podcast.